hello, this is Notes from the Back Row, a podcast like no other, different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Welcome to another episode of Notes from the Back Row, the official podcast of backdashrow.com. In this feed, you'll find everything from episodes of today's podcast, Hoser Horror, to interviews with directors, roundtable discussions, and more. Support the show by joining our Patreon and receive every episode at least a week early, as well as monthly bonus content and even the potential to get a year-end swag bag. So give backdashrow.com a gander. And check out the Patreon and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Back Row Cineblog. We should throw out a plug to, at this point, probably last month's bonus content, which was Carlos. What did you do? Yeah, I did a video that was based on a list of, like, every once in a while, I'll just go browsing Letterboxd and I will find the weirdest stuff and I will link it to you <laughs> in, in, in the Chat Buddies Discords and... It's kind of a back and forth. And I created created a letterbox list based on that. And now I've made a video based on that. And it's called <laughs> 69 Wild and Wacky Movie Posters. So yes, if you want to so see good. that video, there's a little teaser. Um, but the video is like, uh, the teaser is like maybe one or two of those posters, but it's 69. So yeah. it's like five minutes of <laughs> me highlighting those you definitely want to see it so check out backdashrow.com that's that's march's patreon bonus next month i'm coming up with something i don't know what i'm cooking up yet but <laughs> every month you get something exclusive as well as the ability to listen to every single podcast a week early so yeah cool yeah Thanks. So today on the show, we are going to the graveyard and having kisses, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> this is a vaguely themed episode. It's a supernatural duo mm. of films to some degree. I sort of did find the theme in these movies. Yeah? But it's, it's loose, probably. Like, it's maybe okay. a bit of a stretch, but the, the theme that I'm giving this is Fright Night. And, and I'll explain as we get into the movies why. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were just going to say both movies have sex scenes or something. Yeah, that's that's another <laughs> thing I was thinking. Like, they're more, both a little bit horny. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's get right into our first movie from 1987 called Graveyard Shift. This is a love story. Crime of passion An unholy bond of flesh and blood. This is no nightmare on the street. This is for real. Graveyard shift. The streets have never been more dangerous. Teeth marks. You mean we're looking for cannibals now? I will do it again. 
They will give me her phone number. Would you like to meet her? Now, the children of the night have fallen in love with death. Strangers can change before your eyes. Graveyard shift. Contact. The cult has started. Directed by Jerry Ciceritti and written by Jerry Ciceritti, starring Michael A. Miranda, Helen Pappas, and Cliff Stoker. The tagline for this film is, lots of people work the graveyard shift, policemen, waiters, taxi drivers, dot, 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 vampires. (laughs) Synopsis, a vampire who works as a taxi driver meets and romances a young woman whom he turns into a fellow vamp, which prompts her jealous and estranged husband to try to kill both of them. This is, from what I saw, a bit of a co-production. The production companies are Cinema Ventures and Light Show Communications. But Graveyard Shift was filmed in Toronto. Uh, It was successful enough to come out with a sequel a few years later. Jerry Ciceritti, he was a second-generation Italian-Canadian And he prides himself on telling Canadian stories. Later in his career, he began working in film in his 20s. He wrote and directed some low-budget horror movies. He made one called Psycho Girls that I've seen the poster for on Letterboxd a bunch. And then he did Graveyard Shift and Understudy Graveyard Shift 2. And then, kind of like a lot of people in Canada, went on to direct lots and lots of television Mm -hmm. shows, episodes such as Due South, this TV show called YTV's Catwalk, which was like a sort of 90210 for for tweens, mm. um, a, a show called Puppets Who Kill, which was, was kind of popular when I was in high school. So he ended up... Produced by Charles Band? Yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> you called me out on that, and I was like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he, a lot of... I feel like that's something we see a lot. Directors end up doing tons and tons of, of television because it's steady work. Yeah, I saw his, he did some episode on Shit's Creek as well. Like, yeah, yeah, he's always just been like very active. Um, totally, still is, yeah, yeah, and 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 has a pretty cool little career. You know, I, I like to see the having these weird kind of horror movies early on and then just going on to getting steady work and you know, being workmen like doing lots of television. It's pretty, pretty cool to read about that, but yeah, Graveyard Shift, it's a lower budget film, and I kind of in my letterboxd review described it as almost a, a trashy horror movie, but with some ambition mm. to be a bit more of like an arty kind of trashy horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's like a horror art film to some degree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You kind of have to wonder where that went wrong between intentions and how it ended up. <laughs> how it ended up. <laughs> yeah, because both of us were not big fans. Yeah, yeah, because there's still like remnants of being in a more of an art housey horror movie that are like that I was into. Yeah. But it's also a bit of a mess. Apparently, that was kind of out of the director's hands. There's some been some producer meddling. Um, yeah. Did you find anything on that specific? So both of us read Justin DeClue's review, which yeah. references the book They Came From Within, which is a book about Canadian 80s and 90s horror films. Mm-hmm. I was doing some Googling because I don't own that book yet. I'd like to get Mm -hmm. it. Um, But I was doing some Googling and I found a review of the book. And the only other information about that that I could find was the review mentioned that the writer calls 
straight-to-video junk like Graveyard Shift, quote, an ambitious horror art film that was mutilated, apparently, by its American producers. Oh. So, so. The, the only other piece of information I could get was that the, the people who were meddling with, with the movie were Americans, not Canadians. Typical. Yeah. <laughs> How dare they? It's an ambitious movie in the sense of it is trying to do a lot. Like the synopsis I mentioned earlier, it's basically about a vampire. He's a taxi driver. He drives around and finds women who are on the edge, maybe on the verge of committing suicide, mm -hmm. or maybe they want to die, or there's some something about them has kind of drawn him to them. And he turns them into vampires. And eventually he finds this television producer kind of falls for her in the process you get the jealous husband coming to kill them because he's upset and then you get all these like vampire women that he's created mm -hmm. kind of getting jealous and being like we're gonna try and come and get him but it, there's just so much going on yeah yeah there's just a lack of focus it feels in the end product like i almost got invested in the character but then the mm -hmm. focus kind of throws that off and it just Starts focusing on characters who aren't as interesting. Like you've got the the Michelle character, who I yeah. thought was pretty interesting because it seemed like they were setting this thing up. So like she gets um, in the movie a, a call at one point about her being sick, only have a couple of months left to live. And yeah. I thought they were going to play into that a little bit more, like that she would want to get bitten and become an immortal vampire, basically to mm. stay alive. But not really in the end like it's, yeah it's just the part of it that gets a little bit ignored for a more shocky vampire movie that doesn't have a whole <laughs> lot of substance yeah and and it's like there is and the substance that is there like you're saying is almost not capitalized yeah. on it feels like right off the bat i was kind of involved in this movie mm -hmm. because of it it's pretty well directed it has a really kind of like slick yeah, and there's a lot of, like, rain-slicked Toronto shots with, like, you know, the neon red lights reflecting off of the ground, and he's driving around, you're like... Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. This is, like, a straight-to-video, like, vampiric uh, taxi driver, you know? He's, like, driving around brooding, and he picks up this woman, and she tries to run into the lake, but um, he ends up getting her back in the cab and seducing her, and they do this thing where they're in the cab, and they start to, like, kiss, and the camera, like, swooshes down... You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, through like a fade, you're in almost a kind of fantasy world of them. It's like that's the good stuff in this movie stuff, that, the kind of stuff you've seen in movies before. But yeah, it's like really kind of cleverly done. And, mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, cool. This is going to be a bit of like a moody, you know, piece. Yeah. But it's it's weird because the stuff that it it does also end up doing like when we get to the end of the movie and and it's about these vampiric women coming you know and they're on like the tv set in the finale yeah. i thought that stuff was actually also kind of fun yeah. but it just feels like two different movies battling yeah yeah exactly yeah good style and and, and the soundtrack as well like if you're into like 80s stuff yeah uh, like scratch and itch but like structurally and on a storytelling level it, it barely it barely exists and yeah you know like you say, the dreamlike atmosphere, it, it would have been enough for me if they hadn't tried and gone for something that feels like it should have structure. Like that should have just been swept aside and it should have been like just an entire 
hazy, dreamlike, like almost erotic thriller kind of deal. And I would have been fine with it. But then they set some things up and you want, you start yourself kind of like you feel like you want more because of the things they tease a little uh, character wise as well. Like I said, that Michelle character was was pretty alluring and i think the the, the taxi driver guy as well I, I forget his name like the the actor michael a uh, michael a miranda michael a miranda yeah exactly yeah. he reminded me actually a lot of um chris sarandon's character in fright night so that's where the link comes from and you know vampires as well uh, it's 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 nothing like fright night the movie itself but you know vampires and he reminded me of Chris Sarandon in Fright Night, and I love Fright Night. So I get it. Yeah, I get it. Because he's that kind of like 20-year-old-ish kind of like hunky kind of vampire. Yeah, he has these like facial features that are a little bit more almost um, Mediterranean-ish, like very angled cheekbones and everything. Very specific dark look, which reminded me a lot of like Chris Sarandon. But yeah, ultimately not really enough to those characters, which is kind of a pity because I was ready to get into it and and for this movie to win me over. But just the, the, the longer it kept going, the less I felt like that was happening. It just kind of slipped away from me. Yeah. And one of the problems for me is is just that when you have a movie that has all these different threads of plot that are going, you know, I, I need to feel... I'm not even invested. I know that there's a lot of times you watch a movie and you're like, I didn't care what happened to anybody. And that can be a problem, but I didn't necessarily feel like my lack of empathy or caring was the problem here. It was more on top of him and the woman having this relationship. And then she has an ex that's coming. And then also he has the women. And then on top of all of that, we have like a procedural with the cops trying to figure out who's murdering people. You know, I need to at least feel like they are like converging on a point and it like it does and we get this scene at the end of the movie where they're on a tv set and these women are trying to get in and he's trying to get out and and ultimately the women end up killing this other dude and it, that's all fine but it's like things just sort of happen and you never get the sense of like that pieces are locking together and creating it to happen it's just kind of feels like well this is what the script says or maybe it was maybe it functioned a bit more and they tried to make it a bit more trashy and in, in in the production and the producers metal or whatever and that's what happened but it just doesn't feel like it's giving me enough to care or to want to know what's going to happen next. Mm, true. And that's okay if it's just a, a a moody vampire piece, but then you add all these other pieces on it and it's like starts to fall apart. Yeah, it becomes a bit of a mess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I had no idea actually that this was a vampire movie beforehand. This happens a lot with Hose of Horror because um, <laughs> we do a lot of movies that no one's really talking about because we want to discover movies in the first place and and i like doing this it this way because of more often than not i i get surprised like uh like no one's talking about these and i don't look up what they're about before i start watching them i just like vaguely <laughs> maybe read a summary but even yeah or see the poster yeah yeah and then this becomes about a vampire i'm like oh okay this is a vampire movie okay cool. <laughs> um you know budgetary restraints are a real thing and especially mm -hmm. in, in canadian cinema at the time uh so you weren't gonna get a lot of like creature features even like david cronenberg who's like a big name uh it's it's all very 
budgetary, like aside from the fly, which isn't uh, solely a Canadian production. It's like a like a big budget thing. But with a vampire who is essentially one of the original monsters, it's it's a cheap and effective way of still doing that, of still getting that like otherworldly mystique into a movie um, without being like a, an, an effects heavy uh, creature movie, which is probably hard to pull off. Um, but yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, and and this and this probably to some people might be even more of a letdown than it is to us if that's what they're expecting, like a, a horror horror movie. Yeah, if you're expecting things, never expect things from a movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best way to try. If you're if you're expecting a lot of like special effects instead of maybe the vampire bites a girl on her boob <laughs> instead of her neck. <laughs> I mean, we're at a point that we're just open to whatever. Uh, we're not like. <laughs> 15 year old gore hounds anymore yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or anything so I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for whatever movie is willing to give me yeah and if it's willing to give us a boob bite then so be it yeah i mean you have to look for the good in movies especially these ones that are like so overlooked i don't want to go in all expecting the worst but yeah yeah i don't know like most of the movies that got overlooked maybe rightly so but then again on the other side of things a lot of movies that get a lot of attention for reasons that are unknown to me so it's kind of like a two-way street so you know yeah and it is really not frustrating but it is really disappointing when there's movies like this that sit right in the middle of that road you know there's a lot in here that makes me think Oh, I'm I'm actually kind of interested to see what Graveyard Shift Two is like because apparently it's a sequel more in name than than anything else. It's about like an actor. It has nothing to do with this movie, so I'm almost more interested in like okay, Graveyard Shift probably did did well enough on on video. You know what was his next step? Because there is a lot of potential here. It is yeah. directorial. You know, tone is really cool. There's a lot going on. It sounds like there was meddling, and that's maybe why it beca- became the way it is. But it's certainly not garbage. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Like people don't don't write dismissing this movie. That's that's yeah, it sucks. The movie does, doesn't deserve this. Like, yeah. there's enough there artistically, visually, and I also thought there was some like pretty interesting dialogue as well. Like way yeah. smarter than you would expect from just schlock. Like uh, the line where she steps into the cab and it's like, I wish I could fly so high that if I shit, I don't miss anyone. (laughs) I thought that was pretty, I don't know, clever. Yeah. And there's an entire, uh, when the the cab driver guy uh, comes to her house party Mm. and she starts talking about this, I think a dream she had as a kid about a raven drinking water out of her mouth. (laughs) <laughs> that gets like yeah. i don't know i was kind of like disgusted but also at the same kind uh, at the same time just captivated by the way she was telling it and it's like an interesting little character moment it's like a weird kind of throwaway character moment that is like an interesting thing yeah it gives it color and it's it's it makes you like perk up like oh okay this is not what i was expecting i was 
you know, like when you're watching horror movies, you like almost always expect just dumb teenager banter. <laughs> so yeah. when it's like this, uh, like adult people talking like in an alluring way and in a mature way. So it also has that going for it. Like it's, it's definitely a movie I do not regret watching. And if you're interested, you should definitely give it a go. Yeah. I would say if you're interested in Canada's vampire take, we both like red-blooded American girl a little bit oh, more. Yeah, that's fun. But that's that's absolute schlock though. <laughs> but it would be an interesting double feature, yeah. <laughs> Two different takes on the vampire from Canada. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny like uh that one came to mind as well like as I was watching this one because they're both like obscure Canadian vampire mm-hmm. movies and I'm like yeah. how many of these are there? Like I said before, it's it's pretty easy to pull off a vampire movie. Yeah, um, this like I mentioned earlier, it's shot in Toronto, but it's supposed to take place in New York, so it's kind of hiding its Canadianisms a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like I was gonna say, it's not the most regional thing, aside from, I mean, you see a streetcar at one point, so it's obviously Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then again, they have like the whole yellow cap from mm-hmm. its center, which isn't like it's no. not a typical New York taxi. It's called like Black Cat. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, just using the yellow cab is such a New York thing, really. So Yeah, they're definitely trying to make it look the most like New York. Yeah. But it does, you know, seeing them drive around in Toronto at night and stuff and it was fun. And I think I think at one point they were on like Young Street in the 80s where there was all the neon lights and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's fun to watch for that, for sure. So that's Graveyard Shift from 1987 from Jerry Ciceritti. Let's move on to our next pick, a film from 1988 called The Kiss. Aunt Felice is coming to visit. She's like no other aunt you've ever met. Aren't you going to give your aunt a kiss? should have let her in the house. This is directed by Penn Densham, written by Tom Ropolowski and Stephen Volk, who we'll talk about in a second, starring Meredith Salinger, Joanna Pacula, and more. Tagline, don't do it with your eyes closed. (laughs) Synopsis, teenager Amy's mother is killed in a car crash while going to meet her sister, a top fashion model named Felice. Not long after, Amy's father meets Felice at the graveside and invites her to move in. Amy develops a dislike of Felice, particularly after she seduces her father. She comes to believe that Felice is using African magic to kill off her friends and is now trying to possess her. This has an estimated budget of about $6 million, is definitely a co-production. It's it's a TriStar Pictures um, and Astral Films production with the participation of First Choice Canadian Communication Corporation. First Choice being the sort of uh, movie channel that we had that started in the early 80s, I believe. Um, and, and, and Telefilm Canada is also listed on the production company. So this is an interesting beast. I have some details we'll get to in a little bit. 
but uh, some off-the-top facts. It says it was shot in seven weeks. When it came out, uh, people called the film rich in disgusting special effects and poor in every other regard. <laughs> that was Harsh. Janet Maslin. Um, but yeah, it's filmed in Montreal, Canada. Director Penn Densham was born in England, most notable for producing things like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. The screenplay for this film was written by Stephen Volk, who wrote the movie Gothic for Ken Russell, mm. and then went on to do The Guardian for William Friedkin, which is oh, yeah. a lot like this movie. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that. Apparently, this movie was also called The Host and Kissed, and it was pushed back in terms of a release date, ultimately given a regional release, it said on Wikipedia. But a little bit more, so I found an interview about this film by Penn Densham on a weird site. It was called like Big Daddy Horror or something. Big Daddy Horror Reviews. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, uh, related to Big Daddy Kane, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. I was on IMDb and they had the uh, a, a clip from like a kind of text clip from the interview, but when you went to go to the site, it didn't exist anymore. So then I went ah. to the Wayback Machine and found it. Oh, okay, so sweet. Penn's parents made theatrical shorts in England. His first job in show business was when he was four years old riding a live alligator in a movie. And uh, which was interesting because later he wrote a book called Riding the Alligator. Mm, <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> Penn quit school when he was 15, trying to figure out how to make some money, did some photo stuff for the BBC, took pictures of the Rolling Stones, sold pictures to camera magazines, and eventually fled to Canada, fell in love with a Canadian, and founded a company with a guy named John Watson. They went on to make a lot of short films financed with their money that they could scrape together, but nobody would let them make a feature film despite some of their shorts having awards. So they wrote mm. and directed a half-hour drama um, called If Wishes Were Horses, and that ended up winning a ton of awards. Oh. And so they ended up going from Canada to Hollywood, and they patched up a number of Stallone movies, including Rocky Two. Oh, geez, um, really? So the, I guess they did. So I don't know if that was credited or uncredited work mm. on Rocky II, but they did some like work on its structure and got credited with helping, you know, people that were in the know knew that they had helped that movie be successful. So that's Aww. how they got TriStar, who were going to make this movie in Canada. Yeah. And because he was in Hollywood coming from Canada, they were like, hey, produce the movie. And Penn said, no, I want to direct it. So then they let him direct it. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So like a real wild story. It's kind of funny. Like uh, when the movie started and the TriStar logo kicks in, I'm like, whoa, this is a real movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and But it's also like this is a real movie that, you know, you don't hear about. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. Like, yeah. again... Uh, like I mentioned for Graveyard Shift, I didn't know what this movie was about because no one's talking about it and I didn't yeah. look anything up. <laughs> Me either. Yeah. The only thing I knew, so when I was planning to watch it, mm. the these two movies, The Kissing Graveyard Shift, sometimes I kind of have to like pick my battles with Emma. Like what movie am I going to put on when, yeah. when it's like Emma and Dan movie time? And I got <laughs> I got the sense that Graveyard Shift wouldn't be a good one. But when I saw some reviews of The Kiss saying, you know, Oh, it's like a big budget 80s kind of, mm -hmm. you know, cheesy horror adventure thing. I, I got the sense that it was going to be a bit more palatable and that yeah. that was the right choice. <laughs> yeah. Because she had some fun watching it, too. Okay, cool. Yeah, I definitely got those vibes as well. Like a little bit reminded me a little bit, not the content of the movie, but just the way it felt like child's play, arachnophobia, uh, just that late 80s 
era of like polished uh, American horror movie vibe. Yeah, and so the movie the movie starts, you know, with a flashback in Belgian Congo, <laughs> which which is interesting. Like another Belgian Canadian link, even mm-hmm. though you know colonialism not something to be proud of but yeah it's yeah you have to acknowledge it (laughs) yeah yeah and so the movie opens with these two sisters who are being kind of separated one's gonna go with the aunt and one's gonna go the, the other way and and what ends up happening is this woman gets on the train with one of the little girls mm-hmm. and something is weird about her and she has this weird like African statue thing, which leads us into some of that, you know, regrettable, (laughs) you know, racism that comes with movies of this age. But basically she ends up attacking her in a certain way involving a kiss. You don't really know what happened. You know that something happened and then the girl, something spooky happens and then the girl leaves and, and the old woman is dead and you're like, whoa, that's weird. But you get the gist that like something was passed on to her and now she's evil. And then we cut to modern day. Both sisters have grown up. The one sister that we didn't see have anything happen to her, went off her own way, went to America and started a family and grew up and has this whole life. And now the other evil sister is calling her saying you know i it's time i have to come meet you and and the the main sister does not want that to happen and and she ultimately is is killed and so that leaves it open for the evil aunt to come into the family and and take over yeah it it took me a while to piece all of that together though like they don't hold your hands throughout the first i don't know two acts of this movie like it, it gets there but it's it's good that they kind of leave everything up uh for you to solve the mystery on your own. (laughs) Isn't it also like they they flash forward and it's supposedly taking place in Albany, New York? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. It's more of an Albany movie. (laughs) Yeah, and so the daughter is played by Meredith Salinger, who was, you know, just before this in The Journey of Natty Gan, which is a Disney movie that I actually really like. I've Uh, never seen it. Yeah, it's really cool. That's a fun movie. So the evil aunt is Joanna Pacula, and the dad is played by Nicholas uh, Kilbertus. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, there there was someone on the credits. I don't remember if it's this movie or Graveyard Shift called Nicholas Pike. Oh, really? Of the, of the Psycho, Psycho Pike, Pike family. <laughs> no, he did like, I don't know, a song on, on one of these movies. Okay, I yeah. forget which one. It's a song called Contact. I do remember that for some Interesting. <laughs> well, this is also, speaking of Canadian names, this is, I think, our second appearance of Sean Levy. Yeah, this guy. As an actor. Keeps showing up in things. Yeah. Like outside of Hose of Horror even. I have the feeling like I've seen this, the name Sean Levy yeah. pop up in my well, life the last couple of months a lot. Huge, he, he, you know, huge producer, huge director, made things like the Night at the Museum series, Big Fat Liar, directed a bunch of Stranger Things, produced the 2016 film Arrival, the Denis Villeneuve film. So, yeah, like he went from being just, you know, an actor in these kind of crappy... A, a, a goober showing up in B-movies in Canada. And all yeah, yeah. to like a big name in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Total. And uh, I was looking at the the IMDb bios of these characters, trying to see if I could find something interesting. And, and do you know who Meredith Salinger is married to these days? Uh, Patton Oswalt. Yeah. 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 There was a big hubbub about that because when Patton's wife 
passed away. Yeah. There's all these people that are fucking, you know, vultures on the internet that oh, like, no. you know, like a, like a year later he was with Me- uh, Meredith or something like that. And people were yeah. like, how could you? That's not long enough or whatever. And how it's could like, you move on with your life yeah. and find happiness again? You bastard. Yeah. You, seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it might not even have been a year and people were just mm-hmm. whatever. Like fucking let somebody live their life. Like, yeah. Jesus. Come on. <laughs> yeah. One of the other interesting things from the interview I found uh, was there was a guy involved in the development of this movie named Paul Stupin. Penn said that this uh, guy, Paul, had a lot of energy and love for the genre, loved making spooky movies and was a big champion of this film. Oh, cool. Because a lot of other people at TriStar, I guess, kind of looked down on this movie a little bit. But he was the one who was able to get the Canadian company Astral to co-invest which lowered the risk to TriStar and then they were able to make this movie and it was um it was it was kind of thanks to this guy Paul for being able to say okay if we make this movie with you Astral it'll be considered Canadian content we'll hire Canadians and we'll get these tax breaks and we'll be able to make this movie you know at the budget we want to make so that's really cool thanks Paul <laughs> for making a, a cool movie happen and I liked there was another little nugget in this interview where Penn said that because he wanted the movie to show through like the physicality of this supernatural story that he would walk around the set with a spritz bottle of water to make sure everybody was sweaty at all times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. If it's for those reasons. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now the the stuff we haven't even talked about in this movie are the special effects. Yeah. Chris Wallace, man. Yeah. Chris Wallace of gremlins and the fly. The fly. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of fun effects in this movie. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, as goopy as the the fly, but there's a lot of really fun stuff in here. I keep batting my head against the wall trying to figure out if we should discuss the creature that shows up or not. That's a good question. It was such a fun... I mean, I mentioned it in my letterbox review, but it, I was not expecting it. <laughs> yeah, okay, just don't go in expecting a creature movie, and that's all I'll say. Yeah, but there's a really fun physical creature effect yeah, in in stuff, moments, yeah. and it was really fun. And then yeah. in the finale, you know, there's also... The finale kind of pissed me off a little bit because it does yeah. that thing where the whole finale takes place in this pool, and Meredith the Salinger's trying to get out of the pool, and they have her fall back in the pool like eight times. And I was oh, like, yeah, good that was a bit Jesus, much, yeah. like, just get out of a pool. <laughs> yeah, it's not that hard. No. I know water is slippery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you said, it gets there. It's a bit of a slower burn, but yeah. it has that 80s vibe that keeps you involved and engaged. And there's like the t- Meredith Salinger and her friends, mm-hmm. and there's like the kind of 80s teen sort of comedic element. Yeah. But it's... You know, honestly, outside of the really regrettable, like, she's into African black magic, like, Mm. racism to this movie, which I admit can be a big hurdle for a lot of people. If you can get past that, this is a really fun 80s cheesy horror movie. Yeah, I mean, so many movies from this era, especially, like, horror movies, are, like, problematic in some way or other. So, I mean, it's really up to you if you're okay looking past that and and finding the good in a movie that regrettably has that stuff. And yeah, I I agree. If you can do that with this movie, I don't know. I was like never bored with this movie because again, I had no expectations of what to expect basically, like even effects wise. Um, When I saw Chris Wallace's name in the opening credits, I I, I kind of, (laughs) but then I figured, well, who knows? 
how much work he had to do in this. Maybe it was just like a minor thing. I don't know. There's enough in this. If you're a fan of Chris Wallace's work, that alone makes it worth watching, I feel. But other than that, I also just think the movie just functions pretty well. The performances are good. And man, that thing with the mom character and her leg. Like, I'm not going to specify oh what exactly it oh. is because it's also another moment. Yeah. That, that I don't know. It, it, it's better if it takes you by surprise. But that, that was really effective. was a really well-crafted scene. Yeah, just the build-up as well. And, and and the reveal, uh, that was yeah, that was just so. Great. I won't spoil it, but it's a it's a scene where somebody is trapped, and the movie kind of does this thing that lots of movies do, where it starts to kind of pile on the potential, you know, danger. Yeah, it's 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 a little Final Destination, <laughs> which I love. And it and it ratcheted it up in such a way that I was really definitely like affected in suspense, yeah. in suspense, and I was like, oh my god! And then mm -hmm. there's a cherry on the top kind of reveal that you know I was also like, oh shit! Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it was fun. Oh shit, moments. <laughs> You know, I, I tried to describe this movie as a as a cross between kind of the big budget 80s cheese, mm -hmm. but then also a bit of a sleazy erotic thriller. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's kind of another link with the other movie. And yeah. The other one is that someone I think it's Sean Levy actually in this movie who says it's like something out of Fright Night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, again. yeah. Sean Levy's character is kind of like the, the gist of the movie is every time one of her friends sort of starts to understand what's going on, they get knocked off in mysterious ways. Yeah. Which is, which leads to some more fun Final Destination-esque things involving an escalator. It's it's a fun, fun movie. Yeah. This movie rules. I just. Yeah. Michelle looked at me and said, how, how was your movie? Because. You know, generally, she's not very interested in like in, in 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 horror a little, but definitely not like more obscure stuff. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That was just really good. Uh, I was just very entertained, start to finish, and I'm surprised not more people has discovered it. But yeah. I think it's kind of hard to get. Like, there's no Blu-ray. No, and the D the only thing that exists is like a DVD that's kind of fuzzy you know it's not great quality yeah one other thing from that interview with this last little tidbit that i pulled from that that interview was there's some scenes where the character of the aunt she's like doing her spooky magic ceremonies and stuff where she cuts like her hand and bleeds blood on this thing and anyway apparently in the interview they were saying we went over and over and over again trying to figure out like what should she be what should she look like in mm -hmm. this scene should she have all these tattoos on her or like, how are we going to design what she's doing? And what they ended up doing was just smearing her with chocolate sauce, <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny because <laughs> yeah. it does just look like she's got like paint on or something. But yeah, yeah. yeah. you can't tell, though. You can't. Tell no, no. So it's pretty well done. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, other than that, this is just a really solid movie it it doesn't take place in canada but like we said it was filmed in montreal this movie in particular they spend a bunch of time in in malls in this movie mm -hmm. and i felt a real pang of nostalgia for i don't know what it is about the malls in this movie but i know what you mean though like there's like it's like i can't put my finger on like why do they feel canadian to me but they they just felt so much like my childhood malls yeah. but yeah mm -hmm. it it there's a real you know canadiana in the edges of the movie i think okay, somebody cool. was wearing some roots at one point and yeah as i was watching this movie i just let the credits roll which i always do for our episodes 
just to see if I spot anything that sparks my interest. The kiss will return in the kiss too. <laughs> no, nothing like that, sadly. But I did see like 90% of the cast is French Canadian. Like it's all just French names, really. Yeah, that was surprising considering this is an English language movie with a British slash Canadian director and an all English language cast as well. But the entire crew, basically all French. Canadian. Yeah, it really, really cool. Yeah, I guess that's probably due in part to that stuff I talked about from the interview of them saying like, yeah, we're going to co-produce this and definitely worth looking into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of these two movies, they're both worth a watch, but I would recommend The Kiss. Yes, I, I would put The Kiss in, in canon. Yeah, yeah, let's do yeah. that. Let's, let's, let's do put it. one in canon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really fun, really entertaining if you like that kind of thing. I do still find it really interesting that Stephen Volk went on to do The Guardian. It's almost like, I want to do that movie again. Maybe he wasn't happy with how it turned out or something, because it's very similar. Yeah, I, I like this more than The Guardian, though. What about you? Uh, I watched The Guardian recently for the first time. Same. And it really did feel like a movie that Sam Raimi was going to direct. Because <laughs> apparently he was supposed to direct that. And then Friedkin did it. I remember thinking it was pretty good. There's stuff in it that I feel like is really cool. Anytime that tree is like fucking dudes up, it rules. <laughs> but yeah, it's like uh, not the best movie ever. No, no, I agree. It, it, it fell kind of in the middle, but... Yeah, The Kiss I like. I, I actually like, so. Yeah, okay. So The Kiss is into the canon of Canadian content. You should put, like, uh, a jingle there whenever something gets the into kiss, the canon. The Kiss, The Kiss is on <laughs> our list. <laughs> <laughs> You've got The Kiss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely check that movie out, 1988. You should. It, it's a little bit underrated for sure. And Graveyard Shift, further investigation if you like vampire movies and are okay with something being disjointed. Yeah, if you have time to watch movies. Yeah. <laughs> just do it. And you have time now, so <laughs> whoever totally. you are. <laughs> so that's our episode today. Another episode of Notes from the Back Row and Hoser Horror in the can. Please remember, you'll find everything on back-row.com. Check out the Patreon. It's there on the website. You get every episode at least a week early, monthly bonus content, and even a year-end swag bag, depending on what you put in. And we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Back Row Cineblog. My name is Dan Gorman. I am on Twitter and letterboxed at YCKMD underscore. And Carlo, you are on Twitter and letterboxed at Carlo Goes Boom. Bingo. Bingo bango. Bongo. Yeah. So that is our episode of Hoser Horror. Thank you. Please get in touch with us if you have any recommendations or feedback based on the movies we have talked about. But otherwise, uh, the Hoser Horror is closed for another episode. I got to find a good, like, <laughs> log off. <laughs> yeah, don't make it up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to continue to make it up on the spot until I hit gold. <laughs> Yeah, that's one way to do it. <laughs> yeah, the the bag of milk has been put back in the fridge and <laughs> the toonies are in our pockets. <laughs> the toonies. Yeah, and our double doubles are all drank up. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.